So we are continuing our series in identity. Uh, how we think about ourselves really matters in the way that we live, and we're going to talk more about that especially today. But let me just give you a review of where we've been. There are some of you who have been here for the entire series, and there are some of you who come in and out, and some of you, this is your first Sunday in this series. So let's, let's just kind of review where we've been. So far in this series, we have seen that God, as the sovereign creator of all things, defines who we are. And if we really want to know who we are, if we really want to know our identity, we look to God. And in his grace, he can shape our identity no matter what mess we've made of our lives. No matter how badly we may have messed up our lives, he can reach into our lives and change us from the inside out. And that's the good news. Uh, we've also heard that we have been created in his image, which means each one of us, every single one of us, has significant dignity and worth. But it also means that we have a status of humility because we are created in the image of God. We are not God. Sometimes we get that confused. Today, we're going to look specifically at what it means to have a Christian identity. Now, for some of you, you may not be a, a Christian. And if that's the case, you may think this has nothing to do with me. And I would just like to say, please don't view this sermon that way. Yes, we're going to be talking about what it means to have a Christian identity. But our hope is that you would hear the truth of what it means to be a follower of Christ, to be in Christ, and that you would want that for yourself. And that you too would follow Jesus. Uh, but if you're not there yet, just know that we're happy that you're here or that you're listening, and we're thankful that uh, God has you in this place right now for this purpose, to hear this message. And for the rest of you who are believers, this is for you, primarily, to grow in who you are in Christ. And this is a little different than what we normally do. We normally have maybe one or two passages, but today we're going to have four different passages that we're looking at. So you can look in your own Bible if you would like, and that's fine. But if not, they are on the screen. Our first passage is from 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and it says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Our second passage is from Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And then our next passage is from Galatians also, Galatians chapter 3, verses 27 and 28. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And then Colossians 3, 11. 
Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Let me pray for us. Christ, you are all, and in your church, you are in all. And one day, you will be all in all for all of us. Will you help us to see your beauty and your wonder? Will you help us to have our identity shaped by you so that we would live out that identity in grace, in truth, in love. And Holy Spirit, would you please empower us? We need you for this. That we would not just hear these words, but that we would hear and respond. Again, with real faith, with real repentance, and with real obedience. And we ask this, Jesus, in your name and for your glory, along with the Father, and the Holy Spirit, our one true God. Amen. Do any of you know the name John Maxwell? John Maxwell. He is a, an author who was, he was a pastor at one time, and then he became a, a leadership guru, is probably one of the best ways to put it. And he has written dozens of books, scores of books. He's, he's very prolific in the way that he has uh, written about leadership primarily. And in one of his books, he tells a story about how in 1976, he received a gift from um, uh, uh, his assistant. And he unwrapped it and he saw, the, it was a book. And the book had the title, The Greatest Story Ever Told. And he thought, wow, I'm really looking forward to reading this book. And he opened it up and there was nothing but blank pages in the book. But inside, there was a note from his assistant. And here's what that note said. John, your life is before you. Fill these pages with kind acts, good thoughts, and matters of your heart. Write a great story with your life. That's inspirational stuff, right? I mean, that's the kind of stuff that gets you, oh yeah, let me go out and get in the world. It's that kind of stuff. And then after telling this story in this book, Maxwell then goes on to say to us who are reading, don't settle for merely being a teller of stories about significance. Decide to be the story of significance. Become the central character in your story of making a difference. And again, that's kind of inspirational stuff. It makes you want to get in there and do it. And I know what Maxwell is trying to say. Don't live passively. Live intentionally. And that's a good message for all of us. But I have to admit, when I was reading that, the language of being the central character in my story is a little unsettling. Is it unsettling to you? Being the central character 
of our own story. You know why it's, it's unsettling to me? Because we're all tempted to live that way. Anyway, we don't need encouragement in it. We're all that guy in the musical or that lady in the musical who sings out our own praises and says, this is all about me. That's the way we live our lives. I am the central character of my story is the way we think about ourselves. But doesn't that seem a little self-centered? When I read the scriptures, I don't see myself as the main character. No, the scriptures, if anything, indicate that my life is not even my story. It's part of God's story. And if there is a person who walked on earth as the central character of God's story, it's not me and it's not you, it's Jesus. Jesus is central to the story that God is writing. And that means something important for those of us who call Jesus our Lord. And here's the point, that for the Christian, Christ is central to our identity. That's the point that I want us to really get today. Christ is central to our identity if we call ourselves Christians. Think about what these passages that I read today from 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. The difference is, are you in Christ or not? And if you're in Christ, something significant has really happened. Something has really changed. You are no longer the person that you once were. You're something new because of Jesus. And then one of the passages that I go to often, Galatians 2.20, where Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Think about what Paul is saying. In one way, some people might say, well, that seems really convoluted, because he says, I've been crucified, and it's no longer I am who living, but Christ is living me, but the life I live, it's in Christ. It's about Christ. The point he's making is, who I was at first, my identity, is no longer just about Paul. It's no longer just about me. Now that Christ has entered my life, it's about Jesus. He is central to who I am. So much so that he can say, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives. And not only that, the life that I live, I live by faith in the Son of God because he loved me and he gave himself for me at the cross. And then think about how he goes on in Galatians 3, 27 to say, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. It's a beautiful picture that we're not just putting on clothes in the morning. Every morning we have put on Christ. 
that Christ is the first thing that people should see about us. Because our identity is found in Him. We, it is central to who we are. Christ is central to our identity. Now, this is important because whatever is central to our identity defines us. You ever thought about that? Whatever you see as central to who you are, it defines you. It defines how you see yourself. It defines how you think. It defines morality and our values. It significantly shapes what we value and what we prize. So let me ask you, what would you say in reality, functionally, the way you actually live your life is central to your identity? Is it Jesus? The scriptures say Jesus is central to your identity, but is that the way we live? For men... And, and sorry, ladies, I'm just going to speak for men because that's my experience as a man. For men, I think many of us find the central part of our identity is in our job, our career, what we do. You, if, you, if you know me, you know how well I enjoy a good movie and one of my favorite movies uh, recently and past years is the movie Doctor Strange. It's the Marvel movie starring Benedict Cumberbatch who plays Doctor Stephen Strange who is a rich, renowned, arrogant neurosurgeon. And if you haven't seen the movie, you can still understand where I'm coming from. Here's this man who he's, he's wealthy, Everybody thinks he's the greatest neurosurgeon there is, and he's arrogant about it because he's good at what he does. But he has a car accident, and his hands are so permanently damaged that he can no longer operate. He can no longer serve in that function. And he starts doing everything he can to try to get that back because he doesn't know who he is apart from his job. He doesn't know who he is apart from that reality of the things that he was good at. And so he cannot accept that he may not ever be able to operate again. He lost his identity because he lost his ability. I've thought about that a lot. What am I if I'm not a pastor? And maybe, maybe you've thought about that yourself for your own job or for whatever it is that's central to you. If I lose this, who am I? This is part of the good news of what I'm saying. For the Christian, Christ is central to our identity and you can't lose that. You will never lose that. Christ will always be central. Whether you live that out or not, that's who he is for you. So why not embrace Christ and all He is as the center of how you see yourself so that you have a firm foundation for who you really are no matter what happens in your life? 
So for the Christian, Christ is central to our identity. And moving on to another point, the distinctions that we often make among ourselves are not as important as being in Christ. The distinctions that we often make among ourselves, they're not as important as being in Christ. We love our distinctions. We love to label people don't we? Masculine or feminine, educated or uneducated, rich or poor, conservative or liberal, northerner or southerner, American or foreigner, cool or boring. And we could go on and on and on. We love making distinctions. And the distinctions that we have, they they have a place in our lives. I'm not trying to say we should try to eliminate all distinctions. That's sort of what John Lennon was kind of getting at in his song Imagine from years ago. Do you guys remember that song? Some of you are too young to remember that song. But, you know, he's saying, you know, basically imagine a world where there's no distinctions. Wouldn't that be wonderful? That's not the world that God made. There are distinctions for a purpose. There are distinctions for a reason. But what this truth tells us is that none of these distinctions are as important as being in Christ. They have levels of importance, but they are not as important as Christ is. No matter what the distinction may be. Think about the way that Paul puts it in Galatians 3, 28. He says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And then he says something very similar in Colossians 3.11 when he says, here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Do you hear that? Now, this doesn't mean that the distinctions don't exist. When you become a Christian, when you become a follower of Christ, if you were a Jew, you stay a Jew. If you were a a Gentile, you stay a Gentile, right? You don't suddenly turn into something that's a mixture of the two. Same thing for male and female. When I became a Christian, I did not suddenly become neutered. Thank God for that, right? But I did become something new while staying in the distinction of my maleness. And the same is true for females. And the same is true for all these distinctions. We don't change where, what we were in, in the sense of the way God made us. Those distinctions are still there, but they are not as important as who we are in Christ. The point isn't to get rid of all the distinctions. We can celebrate distinctions. We can celebrate the differences. But the point is that all distinctions aren't, all these distinctions aren't as important as being united to Christ. And that means, and here's your next point, no other identifying factor comes before our status 
in Christ Jesus. Okay, this, this is an important one. So, if, you know, if you're sleepy and you need to wake up, this is a good time to do that. Because this is a very important point here. No other identifying factor comes before our status in Christ Jesus. See, we often, I know this because I'm a little bit of a student of um, people, just kind of watch and see what people do. And then I see if I do the same things, and I find that often whatever it is and I'm really irritated about one of you doing, I do the same thing. But we often use our distinctions, the distinctions that we make, the labels that we put on each other, to dis- not only distinguish ourselves from each other, which is a, a, a valid point. You know, I'm male, you may be female, that's valid. But sometimes we do it to exalt ourselves and put down others. For example, a philosopher named Diogenes, and I know all of you know Diogenes, so there's no need for introduction there, but he wrote about um, philosophy, and he wrote about this one philosopher named Thales, who he says used to say that there were three blessings for which he was grateful to fortune. First, that I was born a human being and not one of the brutes. Next, that I was born a man and not a woman. Thirdly, a Greek and not a barbarian. You see the point that he's making there? Being a human being is better than being an animal. Okay, I can buy that. But then he goes on to say being a man is better than being a female. Uh Uh-oh. And then he goes on, being a Greek is better than being those foreigners out there. And you might say, well, that's a philosopher. You know, they're like trying to figure out how many heads, I mean, how many angels dance on the head of a pen or something. You know, they just ask these, these weird questions and that don't really have those answers. And why do we even need to listen to that? But, you know, some religious people believe this kind of stuff, too. Think about, for example, one rabbi who his prayer was this. Blessed are thou who did not make me Gentile. Blessed art thou who did not make me a woman. Blessed art thou who did not make me a brute. Basically the same thing that Diogenes said that Thales had said, but this is in a religious context, thanking God that you didn't make me like those others. Kind of sounds a little bit like a story that Jesus told in the Gospels about two men who went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and one was a tax collector. And the Pharisee says basically, thank you, God, that I'm not like this guy over here. I'm really good. And the the tax collector was the one who said, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said that it was that man who went home right with God that day. See, we like these comparisons and these, these distinctions because we often like to exalt ourselves above the other. But if we really do see that Jesus is central to my identity, and especially 
in the church, if we see each other as having Jesus as central to your identity, then whether I'm male or female, whether I'm Greek or Jew, whether I'm this or that, it doesn't matter as much as the fact that we're in Christ. Compare those thoughts that you just read about those, those quotes from Diogenes and that rabbi to what Paul says in Galatians 3 and in Colossians 3. In Galatians 3, he says, For as many of you as are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And then in Colossians, he says, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. What these passages indicate is that our identity in Christ is what is central. It's what's most important. And no other identity should be put above our identity in Christ. None. Now, this is important because we tend to do this. You ready to go on a journey with me? Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes we identify more with our nationality than we do with Jesus. And it's really hard not to in a military town. Sometimes we identify more with our politics than we do with Jesus. And we see that happening kind of all the time where we, somebody on the other side of the aisle does something good and we go, eh, that wasn't really all that good. Somebody on our side does something bad and we say, ah, it wasn't really all that bad. Sometimes we identify more with our stand on certain issues than we do with Jesus. And can I, can, I, can I say something here today that I, it may offend you? And I, I hope it doesn't. It, it, may, it may make you say, I'm never coming back to this church again. I hope it doesn't. But this whole thing with the, with the COVID, as uh, some people like to call it, the COVID, um, the whole thing about vaccines and masks, that has divided the church in ways that it never should have divided us. Never, ever, ever. Okay? Those are distinctions that come under Jesus, our centrality in Jesus. And if we really do believe that Christ is the center, then no other thing, no other issue, no other whatever it is, we first and foremost say, okay, this is a brother and sister in Christ. We are on the same page when it comes to that. Now let's talk about the issues that we're dealing with. But instead, we label people. and we put them down. I have been called one of the sheeple because of my stand. You know what I mean by sheeple? People who just kind of follow what the crowd is doing. I've been called that personally. 
The only kind of sheep that I know that I am is the sheep that follows Jesus. And I'm not saying that everything I do is right, because it's not. That's why I follow Jesus. That's why I need Jesus. But I am saying that if there's any voice that I'm trying to listen to, it's the voice of Jesus, because he's the one that's central. Everything else is at least somewhat negotiable when it comes to things like masks and vaccines and that sort of thing. There's somewhat of a negotiability, is that a word, of those things. And if we don't realize that, then we've got to go back to square one and recognize Jesus is central first and foremost. Jesus is what I identify with, who I identify with. It's who you identify with. And we're on the same page when it comes to that. Now let's talk from that vantage point. Not starting with, oh, you're an anti-vaxxer. Oh, you're one of those sheeple who got a vaccine? Come on, guys. Is that the way Jesus wants us to live? As Christians, Christ is central to our identity. And no other identifying factor comes before our status in Christ Jesus. Now there's one more point that I really need to make, and it's important because it's something that we all deal with, and it's something that we need to recognize, and it's going to be hard, okay? So just, I don't know, buckle up, get your, um, what's that called, the airbag ready? Because, you know, you might have a crash right now. If we really do believe these things, then we need to wrestle more with this truth, the truth that Christ is central to our identity when it comes to identifying with our sin. We need to wrestle more with this truth when it comes to identifying with our sin. One of the things that I used to say, and I I have erased it from the way that I describe myself. And, and I think there was good reason for me wanting to say it this way. But I think it was wrong. And now that when I hear it among other people, you know, I think, ah, I, I, want, I want to like talk to you about that. And it's a phrase, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. So you know how, you know when that context normally, I mean, that phrase normally comes up? When you just messed up and sinned. And someone's actually saying, you know, that was sin. And you go, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Okay, first of all, are you just a sinner? Is that what the scriptures actually say about you if your identity is central in Christ? If Christ is the center of your identity? Are you just a sinner? Are you merely a sinner? Is that the only thing that you are? 2 Corinthians 5.17 would say differently, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. New. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Something is fundamentally different if you're really in Christ. So you, you, do, you cannot say, oh, I'm just a sinner. 
Do you still struggle with sin? Yeah, of course. Everybody does. But you cannot define yourself by your sin. That's a no-no for those who are in Christ. I mean, how can we say, how can we say that my primary identity is something that Jesus says is something that is passing away in our life? How can we do that? Now, again, don't hear me saying something I'm not saying. In fact, we're going to have, Lord willing, a whole sermon on this next week about how we still struggle with sin, and that is part of our identity. But we got to get this straight first. We don't start with, oh, I'm just a miserable sinner, and I can never do anything good, and I'm all, you know. Yeah, you are, but when Christ comes into your life, He changes you. Something fundamental about your identity has changed. And if you're still wallowing in your sin, there is something wrong. If you're still identifying with your sin, there is something wrong. There is a difference between identifying a struggle of sin and identifying with your sin. Do you see the distinction I'm making there? There's a huge difference between the two. In fact, what Paul says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Romans 6.11 is you, Christians, you must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Is that the way we see ourselves? I'm dead to sin? Now again... Are we still struggling with sin? Yes, in this life we will continue to struggle. But do we say, you know what, I don't have to say yes to this temptation because Jesus says I'm dead to sin. And that's the way I'm going to consider myself. But I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus. See, if Christ is the center of our identity, then when we look at our sin, we go, nope, 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 you're not the center. You're not what's most important. Jesus is. And I'm going to say yes to Jesus, and I'm going to try to say no to sin every time. Am, am I always going to do that? Probably not. But at the same time, that's my desire. I want Jesus exalted in my life, not sin. You guys following what I'm saying? I know it's hard. And part of the reason I'm saying it is because I know for years I lived with this mentality that, well, I'm just a sinner. And I can't do anything differently. And that's true if it's just me. But it's not just me. As Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Right? All right, so what do we do with this? What are the action points? <laughs> Some of you are going to think this is the weirdest thing you've ever heard. And maybe it will be. 
But I want, I would love for every one of you to do this. Do a how important is Jesus to the way I think about and live my life inventory. That's a mouthful. But let me say it again. Do a how important is Jesus to the way I think about and live my life. How important is Jesus? Not on Sunday morning, because everybody on Sunday morning who comes here says, Jesus is really important. But I'm talking Monday morning, talking Tuesday night, Wednesday afternoon, Thursday at midnight, if you're still awake. How important is Jesus to the way I think about and live my life? And if you're having struggles, I don't actually have an inventory for you to fill out. But if you're having troubles with that, think about how do I spend my time? How do I spend my money? What do I do when I have free time? I know some of you don't have free time. But if you did have free time, what would you do? Is Jesus anywhere in the mix? Anywhere? Then maybe Jesus isn't as central to our identity as we think he is. So then after you do that inventory... Respond accordingly. That's a little bit of a joke, but at the same time, it, it's, it's for real. Respond accordingly. If you recognize, hey, Jesus isn't as important in my life as he should be, repent. Believe and ask Jesus to be more central in your life. Because if, if everything that I've said today is true, and I believe it is, nothing else is more central to our identity than Jesus. Right? Our gender is not central to who we are. Christ is. Our sexuality is not central to who we are. Christ is. Our race is not central to who we are. Christ is. Is Our marital status is not central to who we are. Christ is. Our nationality is not central to who we are. Christ is. Our political party is not central to who we are. Christ is. Our career is not central to who we are. Christ is. Our entertainment choices are not central to who we are. Christ is. Our favorite sports team is not central to who we are. Christ is. Even our Myers-Briggs type and our Enneagram number is not central to who we are. Christ is. And if you haven't heard anything else, at least hear this. Our sin is not central to who we are. Christ is. And with that, folks, let's fully and thoroughly embrace our Christ-centered identity. Let me pray for us that we'll be able to do that. Lord Jesus, these are hard words in many ways. 
And even for myself, as I look back over this last week, there were many moments where you were not central. Forgive me and help me to live a life that really reflects that you really are at the center of who I am. Because you are whether I live that way or not. And the same for these folks here, for all who are believers in Christ. Would you cause them to see more of the reality that you are central and that they would live out of that reality? And even for those here who do not yet believe that today you would show them more of your beauty, more of your wonder, more of your goodness, so that they too would want you to be central in their lives. Lord, cause all of these things to work together for our good, for your glory, and even for the good of the people around us. Uh, We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.